0: Welcome in everybody to another special edition of Scouts Eye on Pro Football. I am Chris Landry, veteran NFL scout and coach, college coach, longtime um, consultant to NFL and college teams. We're really excited to be with you. You can join Scouts Eye on Pro Football every Tuesday at 6 p.m. Eastern, 5 p.m. Central, live. Join us in the chat room at twitch.tv slash Football. You can catch us there. Again, chat with us, uh, go into the chat room, ask us questions. We'll address everything on the world of pro football. We'll get you up to date on the latest news and information, but bring you some analysis that you can't get anywhere else uh, that we provide for you at LandryFootball.com. We'll provide uh, a lot of that for you here as part of Scout's Eye on Pro Football. So we will, um, in addition to doing that, as the season is approaching, we are providing some special edition, special editions um, with previews, division by division previews. Today it's the NFC East and uh, we're going to get to that in a second. I want to remind you though that if you want to catch all of our shows, uh, the Scouts Island Pro Football Show, if you can't listen to us live and you want to listen to it after it drops, which is going to be first thing on Wednesday mornings, you can go to LandryFootball.com, find it there, go, click under Podcasts and the under Landry football podcast, whatever, and you're going to see, look for Scouts Eye on Pro Football, and you can uh, see where you click on it and listen to it, or you can have it directly sent to your mobile device by signing up for the Falcons channel, the Dirty Bird's Nest, part of our great friends in Atlanta Podcast Park. Yeah, they have a lot of shows, local shows, but uh, we're doing a, a national uh, NFL show for the great folks at Podcast Park. So you can get it there. You can also, I also encourage you to sign up for Landry Football Podcast Channel, which is where you can get all of our college shows, the national college shows, um, the SEC Football and Beyond twice a week, uh, and then uh, ACC Football and Beyond, as well as our Alabama Football Podcast as well with myself and Ryan Fowler. SEC Football and Beyond is, uh, we're really excited. Myself and Dan Matthews will break down the entire league. So, Look, you can get it sent to your mobile device if you like to listen to it through that means uh, and certainly watch us live over at um, Podcast Park. So, uh, let's get to it, shall we? Let's start uh, with the NFC East uh, The today. We're going to start with the Dallas Cowboys. Uh, when you take a look at their skill position, and again... They have got Super Bowl aspirations every year. And, you know, they haven't really come close for a long time. But when you're looking at it, um, there's reasons for optimism. The quarterbacks coming back from the right ankle injury. Got Dan Quinn coming in, a defensive coordinator, adding 10 players in free agency that are going to fit more what he wants to do. 14 to 21 newcomers on that side of the ball. There's no question that they're always striving. There's always a lot of hype with them. There's always a lot of um, discussions about how good they're going to be. They're always going to be in the front end of a lot of hype, a lot of marketing. That's what Jerry does well. Let's take a look at their football team and how they stack up. I do like their uh, skill, position, talent, as I mentioned, quarterback, Running back, wide receiver, tight end—like their offensive tackles—but they're they're not as comfortable, um, not as comfortable with their interior offensive line, and neither are they. And it's a lot to do with health. I mean, uh, certainly Zach Martin is, is maybe not an elite player anymore, but a pretty doggone good one. And yet, uh, you wonder if um, that's a sign of regression or just something that can bounce back from. Dan Quinn, as I mentioned, takes over the defense. Tampa two coverage, four man front pressure. They need Demarcus Lawrence to get back to his standards. They also need Michael Parsons um, to add to an injury laden linebacking group with Jalen Smith and Landon Vanderas. They love to take chances, do they in Dallas? And chances are great when they work out. When they don't work out, you say, God, they take so many chances, um, and it's hit or miss. There's no question. Michael Parsons is an elite player, and it's in a need spot. If if If, 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 boy, two long, big words, IF, um, that could only get healthy, stay healthy. That's kind of what their their issues have been, particularly at that position. The secondary could have some problems. Um, So pass rush must be um, improved, must be fierce, so that it can keep plays in front of them with soft zone coverage. Their first six players drafted were on defense. Again, Parsons was one of them, special player. Calvin Joseph, be needed to step up immediately to play across Javon Diggs, who I think has a lot of potential as well. Lots of skill on offense, the defense, talents, improving, consistency, discipline, depth, um, consistency is part of what I've always concerned with with Dallas. Um Do they have enough depth? Do they allocate the funds in the right way? Got a complete breakdown. We're going to get into a position-by-position breakdown of the Cowboys right here in a second. But I want to remind you for a more detailed breakdown, go to LandryFootball.com. Take advantage of the football season sale, folks. It's less than $10 a month. It's cheaper than that if you take advantage of the year membership. You get the updated depth chart. You get the pick-by-pick draft analysis of this past draft and how the guys fit in. Then, you get all your questions answered there. Then we take position by position analysis, the unit analysis, and we we'll kind of tell you where the position ranks in the league and tell you a little bit about their team in a more more specific fashion. So let's take a look at the quarterback position, none other than Dak Prescott. How good is he? Is he worth the money? And You're going to hear that a lot. I think it's always interesting because I think Dak is a really good quarterback. I think that the whole, is he worth it, is he worth the money talk, is something that always comes up. I get it. I understand it. Because Dak Prescott is not the elite of the lead. He's not Josh Allen, if you heard the breakdown of the AFC East. hadn't checked that out um, on the NFL channel with Podcast Park. He's not Patrick Mahomes. He's not one of those guys, but he's really, really good. And perhaps he may get even better. He's back. He's healthy. Can he stay healthy? Kellen Moore and Prescott are been around for a while. You know, two as a player, the rest is a coach. So they know what works, what doesn't work. They've got a lot of playmakers they've surrounded them around with. So running game, offensive line play, playmakers, they've got that. I do think that can be outstanding. I don't think making enough plays are going to be a problem. If they have to put it completely in his hand, we're going to see how he responds to it. Whether he's elite or just really, really good. The price of doing business in the NFL is not just how good a player is, but what are your other alternatives? And I think Dak is somewhere in between both. Less than the elite of the elite, but really good, and the alternatives, not so much. Running back room. Zeke took a step back with the deterioration of the offensive line last year. Didn't grant out nearly as well. Just over 65%, lowest of his career. But an offensive line that was dealing with a lot of injuries. That should improve this year. Um, You know, he gets stuff less than anybody, meaning he can, A, avoid, B, make something out of nothing, about as good as the upper-tier backs in the league. So his percentage of runs for loss or no gain is, you know, really really good. He can find something there, but you've got to give him a little something to work with. I think Tony Pollard is somebody to get excited about. Very efficient on a per-carry basis. Um, He just doesn't get as many opportunities, but good spellback and certainly someone that can take over if Zeke is gone for a while. Extended period could be an issue, but I think he's very, very good. A very, very good back, no doubt think the receivers and tight ends, you can make a case. And I do think, by the way, that the running back room is one of the better ones. One of the best 10 or so, definitely. And you'll see where I got them ranked when you go into the breakdowns on LandryFootball.com. I think the receiving core, the tight end group, is absolutely one of the best. And you could make a case that it's a top three group. Um, it has Omari Cooper and Michael Gallup and C.D. Lamb. No, the grades weren't great, but this group can separate. They are creative after the catch. Cooper has been open a, a high percentage rate of the time of his single coverage targets. It's really good. He's in the, the 80 percentile. Very, very good. He, is, he pairs um, with um, some of the best uh, getting open against single coverage and making plays. Really, really good. Gallup has been very strong at the catch point. He does a really good job of making plays on contested catches. He did most of his damage um, last year uh, being able to on the possession routes, being able to make plays on the ball. C.D. Lamb is has the looks of an elite slot guy. He did most of his damage from the slot last year. Now he can play outside. Uh He had nine drops. A lot of those are um, concentration drops. Got improved upon, but I think this trio can be really good. One of the best. Also battling for snaps, Cedric Wilson. Fifth round pick, Simi Fieko. Wilson is graded out pretty well for is one of the more intriguing size-speed combination guys. an unpolished D. Gay Metcalf, if you will. A tight end, Blake Jarwin, Dalton Schultz, duo. Um, Jarwin provides more of a vertical threat, and Schultz more of a sure-handed possession type. But it's it's definitely nothing to worry about with their receiving room, tight ends, receivers, being able to make plays and helping out the quarterback. There's no doubt about that. Now to the offensive line. I think we'll get into it here. You can look at them as a top 10 offensive line. Maybe. They finished just you know, probably in the bottom 10 in overall grades last year. But injuries. Let's, let's factor in guys coming back. Health there. Um, Tyson Smith returns after playing just 154 snaps last year. Between missed time and actual performance, Smith is clearly no longer a top three left tackle. But he's still a good player. Um, Very solid. Grades out in the low 80s, and he's done that consistently for the past three years. Just stay healthy. It's just the key. Big issue. On the right side, Lyle Collins returned. He missed all of 2020 due to hip surgery. He graded out very well in 2019. In fact, he graded out in the top six or eight tackles, right tackles in the league. Um, health is the issue. So question marks. Good when we've seen him less healthy, but what are they? Uh, I thought he was outstanding in the run game, and he's solid in pass protection. If he stays healthy, look, you've got two tackles. Two tackles with little age, well, one with a little age and one with health but can be really good bookend tackles If you get the best of them. Zach Martin is as good as it gets at right guard. He's the second best all-around guard in the league behind Quentin Nelson. He's graded out that way. Uh, Health. Staying healthy. Is there any level of decline in his game due to health? Got to watch that. Not saying there is, not saying there isn't. But that's a concern at this stage. Connor Williams at left guard finished with a, you know, I, I had him in the top. 15-20 guards last year. Improved all three years of his career, and I thought he took a step forward. Uh, The biggest question mark is that center in its health. Uh, The team has struggled without Travis Frederick. Frederick now retired. Joe Looney, Tyler Biotich. Saw time last year. Biotich projects as a starter. Outstanding run blocker coming out of Wisconsin. So, you want that, and you want to see him develop as a pass protector. Um, Now, I thought Brandon Knight, Terrence Steele, um, while they graded out poorly, their depth pieces, and a lot of it was technique and assignment issues, and they added a veteran guy in Ty uh, to kind of give them a little little fortification there due to injury. So I think the offensive line is in pretty good shape, but it's one of those, if you can sense in my voice, of if this and if that health-wise, it's going to be a big factor. Defensive line, um, Randy Gregory is going to have an opportunity to put it all together as a starting left-head defender in, in, um, in Dan Quinn's new defense. First six years of his career has been up and down, extended suspension. But he's playing the best football of his career down the stretch of 2020. I mean, He really graded well. Played uh, 270 defensive snaps, I believe it was. I know he graded for me in the low 80s. Still needs to show he can play up to that level on a consistent basis, and can you rely upon him? That's the real question with him. While the edge group got some promise, they need some interior defensive players to step forward. Um, They allowed 2.3, 2.4 rushing yards before contact per attempt last year. What does that mean? That means that you are getting over two yards offensively before you're even touched by this defensive front. They're not getting off of blocks, and that's the quickest way to die is not be able to defensively, is de- not to defend the run and not defend the run up the middle. The linebackers, it's another case. See offensive line. Boy, there's a lot of talent there. Boy, there are a lot of injuries there. Uh, you got to look the disaster of the 2020 season and say, oh, my God, it was a disaster. It took Michael Parsons, great value, but it was also a great need because you need a young guy that can fortify that spot. Jalen Smith and Leighton Vander Esch were poor between 2020. Neither graded well. Injuries were a factor, big factor. Both have talent, but can they live up to that on a consistent basis? That's going to rely on health. Each play and, and is there a decline as a result of the health? As I always say, each player has a previous season with a 84 plus grade on their resume. They're now joined by Mike and Michael Parsons, the best linebacker prospect in the last few years. True linebacker. Make the calls. Good position, playing coverage. This unit has tons of potential. Fully healthy. Big if. If, 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 if. All three healthy. This is a trio that can play as good as anybody in the league. You might have one guy that's healthy and it grades out very poorly like it did last year. Is one of the worst. So you see a lot of swing there, and that's why there's a lot of swing. We don't know um, how this will play out. The secondary, the Cowboys spent second, third-round picks on the cornerback position in these recent NFL draft. A clear need heading into the season. I just, you know, Calvin Joseph and Nashawn Wright, uh, particularly Joseph's going to have to play early. Wright, probably not so much. I like Trevon Diggs. You know, uh, Anthony Brown is a veteran guy. We'll see if the young guys can challenge him, factor in. Diggs did improve last year as the season progressed, but he allowed uh, over 650 receiving yards last year, and um, that put him, you know, um, 21st among all cornerbacks, despite playing just 12 games. So, Donovan Wilson, Demonte Casey, uh, particularly Casey are expected safety starters. Casey comes over from Dan Quinn, and Atlanta days. Um, you, you got to have playmakers in a cover two in Dan Quinn's defense. Nine combined pass breakups and interceptions by those two. So, that's a look at the Dallas Cowboys. Where does that put them? It's an interesting question. Um... I think it's kind of wide open. I think this team can compete for the division. I do think that they are definite, contend- uh, definite contenders that can win the division, is what I meant to say. But I don't know that I'd make them the favorite. Um, but I don't think it's a great division. Well, I think it's a weak division, I'm sorry. I don't think it's as bad as it was last year. But I don't think it's it's a division that you can rule out anybody. Let's take a look at the New York Giants. This team has the feel of getting better. But it's time to really show it with more wins. They finished 31st in scoring, um, but they've added firepower. Got a number one receiver in Kenny Galladay to join possession receiver Sterling Shepard. Got Evan Ingram. They got Kadarius Toney that's been added. Um... Can Darius Slayton return from a bad season or John Ross? A lot of weapons for Daniel Jones. Running back Saquon Barkley. Barkley is pivotal to the run game success, and boy, is he talented. Got to stay healthy. Defense coordinator Patrick Graham, I thought, did a really good job of getting a lot out of the defense and turning Leonard Williams into a really good pass rusher. They've got O'Jalari coming in out of Georgia, play opposite him. Dexter Lawrence has begun to show pass rush skills. The run defense was good last year. So signs of positivity with the Giants. Offensive line needs more development, but I do like Andrew Thomas. I do like Will Hernandez. Can Daniel Jones get the ball out quicker? Back to the defense. The linebackers are uh, are decent. Um, I thought Bradbury had a good year at corner. Adoree Jackson is a big addition. So a lot of stars on the offense. The defense got some good players. If Daniel Jones has a good year, this might be the team to beat in the division. It's probably got the best overall roster. We break it down in detail over at LandryFootball.com. The complete overview, offense, defense, special teams, kind of a prediction of where they we think they're going to finish. A depth chart um, analysis and then a unit-by-unit unit, um, grading of how the units grade within the league and a pick-by-pick draft analysis. we got all that analysis of every pick of the Giants and how they factor in. Let's take a look at the quarterback for the Giants. It's a big year for Daniel Jones. He's got to establish himself as a franchise guy. Giants are doing everything in their power to surround them. That's what you have to do, right? Last year, the team had the lowest pass blocking grade in the league. The eighth worth of... Uh, Worst receiving grade in the league. But new additions, free agency, draft should help. It's the first offseason Jones will be in the same offense. Improved personnel, more familiarity with the offense, really important. Is it going to completely all click? I don't know that, and I don't know that that should be the expectation. What I do think is that we need to see signs of improvement. Um, I think the biggest thing I see from Daniel that he's got to improve upon is the bad decisions, the turnover plays, or the turnover-worthy plays that keeps the team back. He's got toughness and ability to make plays with his legs. Got to make better decisions. If he does, we can see him and this offense start to take a huge tick up. But it's a big question mark at this point, and rightly so. Running back room, Saquon Barkley is one of the most dynamic running backs in the league clear in 18 when his rookie season was the only running back in the league with rushing and receiving grades above the 80 percentile. The only one. Problem is he hadn't been fully healthy in the two years since. Production took a hit in 19 at the high ankle sprain that he battled. It's a problem. The injury concerns along with the lack of quality options behind Barkley keep New York outside the top 10 despite how electric Barkley is when he's 100 percent. Receivers, tight ends. One of the biggest offseason storylines is the overhaul of the pass catchers. Kenny Galladay is the number one, the best catch point receiver in the NFL, and he'll immediately add the vertical threat. He's caught over 54% of his contested targets. One of the best in the league. When you've got vertical threat capability and you can go and high point the ball, That's huge. That's huge. The addition of Galloway takes pressure off of Darius Slayton. Galloway's a true one, Slayton not. He has been an explosive playmaker in his own right. He's averaged 15.2 yards per reception in two years, and he pairs with Galloway to form one of the better better vertical duels in the league. They added Kadarius Toney in the first round. He can make an immediate impact in the slot on gimmick plays. Um, In a wingback position, he's dynamic with the ball in his hands. He'll work with or, or I think maybe even battles Sterling Shepard for slot snaps. But I think he can run double slots. I think he can run a slot, and then I think you can motion a guy into a double slot. Um, Shepard posted the top receiving grade on the team a year ago while ranking second with 37 first down. This gives the Giants four receivers with different skill sets who can all contribute their own way. They took a flyer on John Ross who can be a alternate vertical threat at tight end, Evan Ingram returns after posting a lowest grade of his career. He's a solid option in the passing game. They've asked added Kyle Rudolph to help, so he's more of a traditional tight end, big-bodied red zone guy. He's definitely a declining player in the league, but still has some value. Giants have made one of the biggest transformations in the passing game this offseason, and I think the, the play has top, uh, top five potential. Here's the rub. Here's the problem. the offensive line. Um, You can make the argument if they're not the worst, one of the worst offensive lines in the National Football League. If combined, to produce the fifth worst overall grade in the league over the past two years. They rank in the bottom eighth in both pass blocking and run blocking. Nate Solder, who opted out in 2020, um Hurt's team stepped up front. First rounder Andrew Thomas started at left tackle and struggled, but I like the potential I see in him. His pass blocking grade was not very good at all. But Solder is currently in the mix to start at right tackle, position he hadn't played since his rookie year. So you've got you've got a lot of improvements, even though there's some potential with Thomas, but it's still enough of a concern. Matt Pert is competing at right tackle after grading out fairly well as a rookie. He had a good career at Connecticut, but he's still young. Is he ready to be the full-time starter at right tackle and play well? On the interior Nick Gates' return after moving to center, his first time in his career, he managed just a 60-percent tile grade, which is in the lower bottom end of the starting centers. He's, um, guard is wide open. Will Hernandez is a three-year starter. He hasn't graded out all that well, but quite frankly, he's a little bit more productive, and I still like him. Shane Lemieux played 500 snaps last year. Struggled very, very um, uh, very much. Zach Fulton is also in the mix. A lot of questions, as you can tell. They um, Kevin Zeitler earned a, a 66 percentile overall grade. That's the first time in his career with a mark below seventy three. Kenny Wiggins and Jonathan Harrison have starting experience. The bottom line is the offensive line is a big question mark. And if the quarterback's gonna have success, if the receivers are gonna have success, um, I, I just you know the play up front's gonna have to help it. And that concerns me more than any. Uh, get decent play there and you've got a team offensively that could take a giant step forward. You don't, and you got Further and further issues there. Over on to the defense for the Giants. Let's start with the defensive line. Dalvin Tomlinson, it's not going to be easy to replace in the middle of their defense. Luckily for the Giants, the interior defensive line was the deepest position group last year. As I mentioned, Leonard Williams and Dexter Lawrence remain one of the best inside duels in the league. The concerns um, are on the edge. A lot's going to be put on Aziz Ojolari to contribute early. They're going to need him... To play and play well and provide some pass rush. Linebacker Blake Martinez is a is um, a big time tackler. He's racked up 109 defensive stops over the past two seasons, third most in the league. He's coming off the finest year of his career, and the first in which he matched his best play in coverage with his best play against the run in the same season. They don't have much outside of Martinez, though. Uh, you got. Reggie Ragland, who's a run-stuffer, journeyman that can play, but got limitations. And you got to play around them in the pass game. Over in the secondary, the Giants have gone from starting Janoris Jenkins and a combination of B.W. Webb and Eli Apple at outside corner to James Bradbury and Dory Jackson. Bradbury's coverage grade last season ranked 7th overall in the league. Solid. Jackson is um, also graded out pretty well. The potential's there. To have one of the better cornerbacks tandems in the league. Uh, those two, along with the deep safety group that has Jabril Preppers, which plays better near the line of scrimmage, Logan Ryan and Xavier McKinney, give the um, defense coordinator Patrick Graham a lot to work with on the back end. So, where do the Giants fit? I think it's it's fair to say you know what they can compete in the division but you could see them finishing third. I mean, I I think much like last year and this is part of when you've got a mediocre division and perhaps I'm kind with that designation that anybody can win it and anybody could finish fourth. I think the Giants are in a pretty good position to perform well. But you know, it's it's so much is about how the quarterback plays and when you've got the question marks about the offensive line. It's a bit concerning. On to the Philadelphia Eagles. Been focusing, they have, on improving the playmakers on the team. They've missed on receivers. I think they got it right in this draft. Devontae Smith. You know, Jalen Rager over J.J. Jefferson is something that they continue to regret. Devontae Smith is going to be a big positive addition. The offensive line, once a strength, has gotten old, injury prone. Miles uh, Miles Sanders has speed to the corner at running back. He's elusive in the open field, but ball security issues. Can't have that. Defense was up and down. Fletcher Cox is still a big-time player. Brandon Graham is still a big-time elite player. I love Javon Hargrave and his potential. Linebackers are a big concern, though. The veteran, Eric Wilson, brought in to start but misses too many tackles. Seventh-round pick, Patrick Johnson, out of Tulane, may end up playing a lot. May end up starting at some point. Other than their cornerback, Darius Slay, the secondary really concerns me. I expect the new defense coordinator, Jonathan Gannon, Gannon to play a lot more zone. What's the ceiling for Jalen Hurts? How good of a passer can he be? Can he be effective enough as a passer? I don't see the Eagles as a division contender, even in a poor division. They're in transition, trying to build a roster. And I don't know that they have a quarterback for sure. So when you look at the quarterback questions, I think Philadelphia has it. I think you can say that the Giants have it. I feel more comfortable with what the Giants' future is at quarterback. I give Daniel Jones more of a chance than Jalen Hurts. Um, but we'll see. The Redskins clearly don't have their quarterback of the future on the roster. But you look at the offensive line's age. A problem, kind of like with the Giants. Got some step players on defense, but but not enough at linebacker in the secondary. Do you have great running backs? Do you have great weapons? I, I, I think there's few and far between there as it relates to... Pardon me, high level. We get deep down into the breakdowns over at LandryFootball.com of all of these teams, give you an overview of offense, defense, special teams, kind of a prediction where we think they're going to finish. A look at the depth chart updated from them. I give a pick-by-pick draft class analysis of every pick they had and how those guys factor in. And then a position-by-position unit analysis. We'll kind of tell you how the position unit stacks up in the league. Quarterback, I would definitely put Jalen Hurts in the bottom rung there. He's got to protect the football better. Leadership and poise will bring the team together, but production, winning football games. How do you do that? You lose that leadership if you can't make plays. In other words, you could be the great leader, you could be the guy that says all the right things, does all the right things like he did in college. You miss an open receiver, you, you turn the football over, those words just don't, not saying they don't matter. Not saying they're not important. I'm saying it just doesn't, they lose faith in you because they lose faith in your ability to make plays for you. He's got to prove he can do that. Maybe he can't. What will they do to utilize his legs? What will Nick Sirianni do? It's going to be interesting. The running back position, I mentioned Miles Sanders. It's a player whose grading profile doesn't match the perception. So a rookie. He earned um, a pretty average rushing grade behind one of the better run-blocking lines in football, but he did show promise in the passing game. That flipped this past year. When he improved his rushing grade quite a bit, and they worked on it, but he struggled with drops, eight drops. That tied for the most of any running back in the league. He'll have to clean up those drops. He'll have to continue to improve and continue to stay and even improve in, in the run game Boston Scott, Carrion Johnson, Jordan Howard. Those are the guys. Pretty average looking room behind Sanders. Don't get hurt. Receivers, tight ends, we talked about it. It's one of the weaker units in the league. The Eagles receivers have ranked last in receiving grade in each of the last two years. So there's plenty of room for to improve on this unit. They now spent um, back-to-back first-round selections on receivers. Talked about Jalen Rager. Talked about Devontae Smith. Rager graded out. Pretty average as a rookie. I know he did. A, came into camp this year, failed the conditioning test. He's got to pick it up. Slow start. But he's got explosiveness to develop and he can be an outside vertical threat. Getting him to produce is important. Smith is a better all-around receiver and that was on display last year in college. He's got great vision. He's got great separation ability to all levels of the field, and he's dangerous with the ball in his hands. I think he's going to be a high-volume threat in this offense. Um, On the bright side of last year's struggles was the emergence of uh, Travis Fulgham. He's bounced around with several teams, but he graded out very well. A lot to do with no one else did, and he was a, ended up being somewhat of a go-to guy. Beyond the top three, Greg Ward may have a role in a possession, as a possession guy, J.J. Arcego-Whiteside is disappointed as a former second-rounder. And then John Hightower adds another speed component. At tight end, Dallas Goddard shows that he's the number one option going forward. And he's a top six or eight tight end in the league. He and George Kittle are the only two tight ends to grab out of 80-plus percentiles, both a receiver and a run blocker. Zach Ernst remains on the roster, but he's on the trading block. He's been one of the better route runners in the league. He still has got something to offer in a complimentary role. But I think he's also got some value to be traded. If not now, then you're going to have to ride him out until there's nothing there and no value there to move on from him. The backup spots you're going to see, Caleb Wilson, Jason Croom, Tyree Jackson, if you remember former quarterback, and then Hakeem Butler um, in a reserve role there. While the Pass catchers are coming off some rough seasons. There's some hope, particularly with Smith. And maybe sometimes you see bad luck kind of go downward. Maybe maybe they can get an upward spiral of uh, good luck here with some of the additions that they have. Offensive line, you know, if you follow the game, you. St- follow us at LandryFootball.com as we break down the game for you. The Eagles have generally fielded one of the top offensive lines in recent years, but they've dropped to 19th, 20th, 21st in the league. Injuries are a big part of it. It's a pivotal year for 2019 first-round left tackle Andre Dillard. Now, they reached on him, but when you reach and, you know, you got the first year, you can play that off a little bit. Um, he's got to begin to to produce he was an outstanding pass protector in college and they need him to get that form right tackle lane johnson consistently is one of the best at his position so i think there's a chance there that the off that the tackles could be really good the right guard brandon brooks returned after missing all of 2022 with an unfortunate injury and he was the highest graded guard in the league in 2019 he's really good so you've got one of the best pass-protecting guards and two outstanding tackles if these guys return and stay healthy. Isaac Ciamalo returns at left guard for and after a really weird season that saw him rank eighth in the league pass-blocking-wise, but really struggled in the run game. Center Jason Kelsey has been the highest-graded center over the past few years, but his overall grade in 2020. Ranked outside the top, <clears throat> excuse me. Ranked outside the top ten. It was his lowest grade since the 11th season. But you know, Landon Dickerson, I think, brings some hope. I think he's the next Jason Kelsey. He topped all centers in run blocking grade last year, and he's very tough, very cerebral. He too is coming off of an entering college. But the other guy that's interesting is Jordan Mailata, the seventh round pick, who is a former rugby player, and he's just a real project, but. He really is good in the run game and can roll his hips, so I'm excited to see what he might be able to develop with. The Eagles could rank, you know, in my opinion, a top 10, top 12 offensive line if everybody stays healthy. They don't. Different story, obviously. Over onto the Eagles' defense. The defensive line has consistently been one of the NFL's best at generating pressure without blitzing. That was the case again last season. The Eagles were just one of two teams with a pressure rate above 40%. Without blitzing, Fletcher Cox Brandon Graham pairing has been at the core of the unit for nearly a decade, but Javon Hargrave's addition in free agency laughs all season gives Philadelphia another player on the interior uh, whose offenses must contend on passing downs. Hargrave ranks in the 91st percentile of, of qualifying interior defenders in pass rush grade. Um, they've got they've got a couple of guys there that what I would call. Blue grade, high red grade level players. Blue grades being the best players in the league. Reds are players that can win for you. Linebackers are concerned, was a concern. This is where the problems start. We talked about playmakers on offense, quarterback on offense. Maybe a good offensive line, but do you have enough playmakers to get the ball to? Can you run the football sustained enough? Question marks. Like the defensive line, pretty good. So, hey. You give the Eagles a shot. If they're healthy, lines of scrimmage, it can be pretty good. That's a start. It's going to help the quarterback, but is it going to help it enough? Don't know. How about the linebackers? Historically bad last year. Really bad. They were attacked and exposed in coverage on a weekly basis. Passes targeting the Eagles linebackers generated a 114 passer rating in the league and open targets on 66% of the time. Really struggling. The team brought in Eric Wilson from the Vikings. They returned TJ Edwards, the best graded member of the unit, in a bad unit, but best grader. Of this group could be um, a real liability again. They need some help. But it's probably going to come next offseason. And the secondary, it's been two years since Darius Slay played at an elite level. His grade dropped from the 90 percentile over a five year stint in Detroit to just under 60% over the past two years. The Eagles, the Eagles need to have him return at a high level because their cornerback depth is concerned. Avante Maddox, covered grade was awful. Zach McPherson are among the most notable the names behind Slay on the depth chart. So bringing in uh, Anthony Harris on a one-year, $4 million deal was good value. But Harris finished fifth among all safeties um, in the last couple of years. Look, I think there's question marks. You know where they are. I think we've hopefully done a good job of presenting it to you line of scrimmage, you're going to have to help the run game and the playmakers out on offense. On defense, the line of scrimmage, you're going to have to bring pressure because you don't have the ability to hold up on the back end and you could be diced again with the linebacker coverage. So, that's a concern. On to the Washington football team. You take a look at this team and this organization, I think you, in my opinion, I'm more comfortable from a leadership, head coaching standpoint, leadership with Ron Rivera more than anybody in the division. And I know we got a new one. A couple of young guys in Philly in the Giants. A veteran guy in Mike McCarthy, but and not that Washington's ownership structure is good. It's anything but. However, With Ron Rivera in position. He's kind of leading that. And I think doing a good job. The offensive skill guys are good. The offensive line is a concern. More on that in a second. Sheriff is outstanding and under a new deal. I like Morgan Moses, but they need Sam Cosme, the rookie from Texas, to come in and be a hit. Logan Thomas has made some strides at tight end. Running back Antonio Gibson is a good player. Uh, wide receiver Curtis Samuel Samuel, and especially wide receiver Terry McLaurin are outstanding. The quarterback uh, Ryan Fitzpatrick is not the future, but you can win with him now. Win the division, that is. Defense, this team is outstanding. Big, athletic, explosive power. Control the line of scrimmage. The linebacker John uh, Bostick is a playing Jesse. Johnman Davis can really run. Love their secondary. Kendall Fuller, William Jackson in particular are excellent athletes. Defensive line is outstanding. The draft, they draft, um, attack the quality of the position they need with Davis and Cosme and Benjamin St. Just. John Bates I think can help them at tight end pretty early and the defensive line is, is as good as any in the league. Best head coach in the division, great skill position, reliable quarterback, I don't know, they may may be as good as anybody in this division. We got a complete breakdown of them again over at landryfootball.com. Take advantage of the scouting, uh, excuse me, the football season sale. You get the detailed breakdowns, college, NFL football, roster analysis, game breakdowns, film room reviews. We got it all for you from a coaching and scouting perspective that others just can't provide for you. In the detailed breakdown of the Washington football team, we've not only got an overview, we've got the depth chart, we've got um, the pick-by-pick draft class analysis um, in the detail that you need to know how they're going to factor in, what their skill set is. And then, of course, we've got the unit-by-unit analysis. Um, And we'll tell you how they rank in the league to give you a feel for where they are. Let's get a little bit of a look-see. Quarterback. Fitzpatrick continues to play good football the longer he stays in the league. Why? Decision-making. He's a veteran He ranks 15th in passing grade since 2018. Last year in Miami, he had the team rolling until you know, the roller coaster. And I get it. They need to get the young quarterback ready to go in Miami. But but when he didn't play, they weren't the same team. It's rare for a veteran quarterback placeholder to join a solid football team. But this is a good situation for him. And I think it fits what they want to do here. And he might, he might stabilize a team that's good enough to win the division. We'll see. He brings energy. He brings leadership, a wealth of knowledge to the locker room got to protect the football a little better. If he can play smart and deliver on explosive plays, he'll be a playoff contender. Running back position, looks like Antonio Gibson has a bright future in the league based on what he was able to accomplish as a rookie season. Um, nice to see them use um, the former college wide receiver in the passing game a little bit more, but J.J. Machisic is a guy that they like there. so He led all the running backs in routes run and targets during the uh, regular season. It's a solid running back unit, um, just like I would classify the quarterback room. And the same I would classify for the receivers and tight ends, maybe a tick better. The receiver grades at Washington graded out uh, above, you know, in the high 65 percentile. Terry McLaurin is number one option, but he was used more as an underneath option after an explosive rookie year. Sure-handed, deep threat. who should have more opportunities for big plays why quarterback play was a big issue. Um, they also added Kermis, Curtis Samuel in free agency. He had a breakout season with the Panthers. It's a slot guy. I think you see, again, more positive additions Excuse me to help this unit grow. Adam Humphrey adds a skill slot as well. Caught 73% of his uh, slot targets last year. De'Ami Brown adds another vertical threat averaging over 20 yards per reception. Cam Sims is very effective uh, in 2020 with 581 uh, yards. I uh, dropped five of his 44 catchable passes. Antonio Gandy Golden didn't do much of the rookie, but his size will keep him in the mix. At tight end, Logan Thomas broke out with over 75 catches and over 7 about 750 yards, six touchdowns. Graded out very well in the 65, 66 percentile range, and he, he's a possession type at the position. The backup role with Dean Yelder, Kamara Hemway, Ricky Seals-Jones, John Bates, all help. I think they've added some some help for McLaurin. So I think instead of being the one guy and not much there, I think he helps them. The offensive line. I thought the offensive line was a pleasant surprise a year ago. I thought they graded out pretty well. Um, they signed Charles Leno from the from the Bears, he's graded out in the 70 percentile or better the past few years. It's a good mid-level tackle, valuable commodity. Uh, they released Morgan Moses. Um, so, you know, welcome to the league, Sam Cosme, and here's your starting position. Don't screw it up. Um, he's Cosme's got some work to do in the pass game. Cornelius Lucas is one of the better swing tackles in the league, and he may be relied, relied on to swing a little bit more early. Brandon Scherf is franchise tag guard really, really good player. He's graded out well. Really good pass blocker. His pass sets are, you know, you I could put him on the teaching clinic. Chase Rullier, the center, has improved in each of his four seasons in the league. Um... Third best pass blocking grade on true pass sets. Wes Schweitzer returns uh, at left guard. They traded for Eric Flowers, who can also play guard, tackle in the pinch. So it's a solid line. I think it's a solid line, but can it be really good? If it can be really good, offense can really take a jump. If they're just average, the offense will be just average. I don't think that Fitz can carry this offense and make it average i think what he can do is he can make it really good if this unit plays well defensive line as i said probably as good as any in the league certainly one of the top two or three when you invest four consecutive first round picks it better result sometimes people do at a position and it doesn't and they have bad luck with injuries jonathan allen deron Payne, montez sweat chase young all are impact starters through the early stage of their career. Allen and Sweat in particular took clear steps forward last year. And we know what Chase Young is. What an impressive unit. It was um, Allen's campaign was overshadowed by the starting edge ten, But he was excellent when rushing the passer. And his 70, 17% pass rush rate, win rate, was top 10. Matt Ayadonis and Tim Settle are good interior pass rush threats. Uh, Iadonis is very underrated. So it's a really, really good defensive line. Outstanding in an area that is so important. Linebackers, needs improvement. Not bad, solid, got to be better. Uh, I think this group rests on Jamin Davis. The rookie backer has been struggling to transition to the NFL in recent years. That just four linebackers over the past season have earned grades in the 70 to 75 percentile. Cole Holcomb has been improving in the past couple of years, including above-average safety grades in all facets. Bostic has, some. I think he's a playing fool, playing Jesse, but he's not as athletic as you'd like, and so we'll see what David Mayo and, and Davis can do to add to this group. I think you'd like to reduce Bostic's time on the field to improve the overall production, but because when he's on, I think he's he's very very productive, but limited. The secondary, um, they're all in on the defensive line, but I got to tell you, it's one of the better coverage units in the league. And yes, pressure helps, but just grading the coverage in a vacuum, the addition of William Jackson and free agency should only boast of this group, and it gives Jack Del Rio, the defensive coordinator, some flexibility to implement more man coverage. Jackson is an 80 percentile coverage grade guy and man-to-man uh, Ronald Darby's coverage grades are really good. This is a good secondary. It's a good group. Heck, it's a good football team. Um, it's going to be fun to watch. It's going to fun to see them develop. Um, fun to see this season kind of grow and develop and see where it goes. I think that you could make a case that any of the teams could win it, although less of a case for Philly. It doesn't mean, though, that Philly's going to finish fourth. I mean, I could see them being kind of in that second, you know, maybe more third, fourth round. I don't see anybody running away with it. And I don't think anybody just getting eliminated unless injuries just kill a team early. But this Washington team's a lot of fun. I like the direction. I know there's a lot of turmoil in the organization, ownership wise. But I don't think he could have a better leader than Ron Rivera, a better face of the organization, the Ron Rivera, I think it will help them. It'll help them in what they're trying to do, changing the culture, getting a better attitude, getting a better structure, and I do think they're doing a better job in personnel because Ron has been there. The personnel department, when, before Ron got there, was a disaster. And it was a lot of Dan Snyder's doing and putting some of his people that he liked, some of the people that listened to him a little bit more. You can't run an operation that way. That's why they've struggled. That's why you made the Dwayne Haskins mistakes and other moves like that. That's not going to happen unless you interfere with Ron Rivera. He's really, really good. I want to remind you that if you're listening to this podcast, um, you've probably signed up. But if you haven't, sign up for the NFL um, channel and podcast fork. That's the Falcons channel, the Dirty Birds Nest, and you can get this podcast. Drop to your mobile device each and every week, Wednesday morning. In fact, you can watch Scouts Eye on Pro Football every Tuesday at 5 p.m. Central, 6 p.m. Eastern. So uh, that's where you can find this podcast. You can also sign up for Landry Football's conference call, Landry Football uh, Podcast Channel, rather the Landry Football Podcast Channel, wherever you get your podcast, and you can get all the college podcasts, the SEC show that I do with Dan Mashes, um, the ACC show. Um, the Alabama show that I do with Ryan Fowler. Um, it's a great, I think, tool for your football season. Uh, and you can again watch us live on uh, twitch.tv Chris Landry Football. And you can go to the schedule right underneath that. You can go to landryfootball.com and hit follow Chris on Twitch. And I'll take you to the Twitch channel. But you can also look at the Twitch TV program schedule right there under Follow Chris on Twitch. And it'll tell you the channel when you can find the shows. But instead of having to sit there and try to figure out when it is, you sign up on twitch.tv slash chrislandryfootball. Sign up and it's very simple. You will get a notification when we're getting ready to go live. So any special shows that we do, uh, anything that comes up, you've got it right there for you to your mobile device to watch it live. So check us out there. Check out landryfootball.com for the best Coaching, scouting analysis on the game of football from a coaching and scouting perspective. That's what we got for you at LandryFootball.com. The inside information, the notebooks, the film room analysis, we got it all for you at LandryFootball.com. So check that out today and uh, sign up, taking advantage of the football season sale. We appreciate you joining us today. Uh, remember, we're going to be bringing you division by division special previews on this podcast schedule. So look for your favorite division. Maybe you look back on the NFL channel, um, the Falcons channel, on the Bird's Nest, to see if you can find your favorite division. We may have done it already. This is the second one. We've done the AFC East, now the NFC East. More to come in the days and the next week or so. Appreciate you joining us. Talk to you next time on Scout's Eye on Pro Football. I'm Chris Landon.